Hello and welcome to the FBS 134 Campus Tour Podcast. Yes, yes, that is the Blue Raider fight song from Middle Tennessee State. Uh, that is our team of the week. You know, even though they lost in heartbreaking fashion to Sam Houston State, Sam Houston State with their third win of the year, the best three-win team in the country, if you ask me. And then the, the game after they missed a field goal, there was a massive brawl on the field. Uh, so it doesn't sound like it's team of the week worthy, but but just in to the FBS 134 campus tour studio, Rick Stockstill, head coach at Middle Tennessee State, has been relieved of his duties. The fourth longest tenured head coach in FBS football, and and while while some in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, uh, there's dozens of them that are probably celebrating this. I do want to say while I was on the beat. Uh, you know, covering FAU football, whenever I interviewed Coach Doc still, he was always respectful and courteous and kind, even to the most mundane, boring of questions that he has to answer week in and week out. So uh, that being said, it is, it is, I guess, in a way, bittersweet to see this era end in Murfreesboro, but best of luck to the Blue Raiders as they move forward. And uh, hey, yeah, yeah, that's right. I was on the FAU beat. This this hazy IPA, hipster coffee shop drinking schmuck that you all listen to every every other week. Why why do you guys listen to us? I mean, you're not doing it for me. You're probably doing it for our former marching chief, marching owl bandman himself, Ian. Uh, Ian, say what's up, my guy. What's up, my guy? Yeah. How's everybody doing? I appreciate you cheering and rip-roaring and celebrating just for little old me. Another great week of football, eh, Jack? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure your your heart is is broken with, with what's going on at, at Duke. We, we'll talk about that later. But I, I want to introduce, mm-hmm. uh, of course, uh, our Colts Neck High School 2012 baseball MVP, uh, Brandon, to the podcast. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing well. Not as good as Rick Stockstill, who's going to get $5 million over the next six years as part of his buyout. Rick Stockstill signed a contract extension at the end of last season. A season last year where they blew out the Miami Hurricanes uh, at, yeah, at Miami. So, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see it. I think it was 38-14 or 38-13, if I remember correctly. Crazy game. There was like three, like seventy-yard-plus touchdowns for the Blue Raiders. Uh, that was probably the reason for his contract extension. And then a year later, it's gone. So, you said five million. He his contract is fully guaranteed. Over eight hundred grand the next six years comes out to about five million. Now, normally, how these things work though is him and the school will negotiate for a shorter-term settlement, a la Tom Allen, who we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah. $5 million, man. Dude, cop the bench. Love it. From a school that couldn't afford its exit fee to go so it could leave Conference USA and go to the MAC. Oh, my God, dude. Yes. I think that was a year and a half ago. Yeah. Right? When, when Conference USA was absolutely obliterated from conference realignment, several teams went to the Sun Belt. Even more went to the American Conference, FAU included. Uh, the MAC sent a lifeline to Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee. And Middle Tennessee said, not that they couldn't afford the buyout, it's more so they wanted the money from the other team's buyouts. Uh, Marshall, Southern Miss, Old Dominion leaving for the Sun Belt, and then, holy Toledo, FAU, Charlotte, Rice, 
UAB, North Texas, and UTSA going to the American. So uh, they wanted that money, and it looks like they're going to need it to pay off uh, Mr. Stock still. So. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I sure hope they're getting their money's worth here. Well, I, Western Kentucky fans are still pissed at them, but that's that's 90 miles of hate right there. That's, uh, first off, great rivalry name, but those teams just hate each other. And I think this is a great great opportunity to kind of just, just jump into what's really been the big news uh, it was Black Sunday. I mean, we talked about Black Sunday two weeks ago, and that was a little preview. Now, now it's on. Uh, a lot of lot of changes in the coaching market. There are currently eleven openings. I'm going to run run them down real quick. Uh, Boise State, Duke, Houston, Indiana, Louisiana Monroe, Middle Tennessee, New Mexico, Oregon State, San Diego State, Syracuse, and UTEP. Now, if you're wondering, you're saying, whoa, 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 Duke, Oregon State, they, they, they have coaches. What's going on? Yeah, well, not anymore. Uh, Texas A&M, that position has been filled by former Duke head coach Mike Elko over the last several hours, really. And Michigan State found their man in Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. Uh, there have been a couple other fillings as well. Northwestern hired David Braun. We kind of talked about that. He was the interim coach. Great story uh, up there in, uh, was it Evansville? Ev Evanston, right? Something, Illinois, just north Evanston, of Chicago? yeah. Evanston, thank you. Uh, he was the interim head coach there. I got the full-time job. And Mississippi State, I, I love this hire. I freaking love this hire. Uh, Jeff Levy, offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. He's heading to Stark Vegas, and, and he's going to have, uh, I mean, we're thinking kind of like a, a Mike Leach-esque style offense or some uh, style of offense that, you know, Michigan State, Michigan State, geez, Louise, get it together, Jack. Mississippi State uh, is probably trying to emulate again since um, Leach's uh, untimely passing and God rest his soul. So uh, first off, before I start posing questions about these 11 openings, anyone want to want to take the mic real quick and kind of talk about um, maybe some of the four new hires or the two recent departures uh, from uh, Gee, what was it? Duke, Oregon State, or even some some uh, you know UTEP. Dana Dimmel was was let go just the other day. Um, Tom Allen from Indiana. That's someone that we talked about recently. A any anybody want to talk about any of these programs or uh, or names? Brand, Brand, would you? Yeah, like if, if 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 I if I could, if I could jump in and just talk about Mississippi State again. Their old coach was a Zach Arnett, would not say he was necessarily fired. Super tough situation. He did a great job getting them through. With that said, this Jeff Levy hire, I have always been a huge fan of his. Going back to his UCF days, he started off as a quarterbacks coach in 2018. They had fantastic quarterbacks, gets promoted to offensive coordinator um, at UCF. And then he goes to Ole Miss to be under Lane. Um, and then he goes to Oklahoma to be an offensive coordinator, to call his own show a little bit, you know, show what he can do. So it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be another one of those, can he be a head coach CEO type, or is he just a really, really good X's and O's guy? Anyway, excited for Mississippi State. Um, as for Indiana, the firing of Tom Allen, um, I think news just dropped a few hours ago that they negotiated down um, his, his, his payout um, firing him without cause yes being bad at football does not count as cause so he will get 16 million down from the 20 or so odd million um he'll receive it in two two installments so this year and next year 
Um, but it will not, his future earnings will not detract from that 16 million. That's really, really interesting because previously huge buyouts like that do, you know, your, your new earnings count against the buyout. For instance, when Willie Taggart was fired at Florida state, every dime Florida Atlantic paid him just decreased the amount that Florida state owed him. It's an interesting point. Yeah, sounds like his lawyers uh, did a good job there, right? His agents and everything. So yeah, Tom Allen's lawyers and agents crushed it. I mean, same thing with Mike Elko. He gets uh, if he's fired over the next few years, he gets seventy percent of what he's owed on on you know the remaining contract. If he's fired after the next few years, he gets eighty percent of the remaining value. And everyone's saying how this is such a better deal than the Jimbo buyout, but it still would be historically terrible. And if he's bought out in year four or five, which is when Jimbo was fired year five, it would still parallel and be closer to the Willie Taggart Florida state buyout rather than, you know, any normal buyout over the last decade. Um, Still not in the same stratosphere as Jimbo, but pretty bad. Honestly, dude, money has really warped this sport. I think you think, Oh, I, <laughs> I'm I'm uh, leaving out my personal bias for this comment. We'll 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 get into Elko and A and M swooping up and taking him away or whatever. We'll get to that. But just you know, we're we're doing billion dollar a year TV deals now. We have these eighteen going on twenty. We'll see three to five years from now, twenty twenty four, something like that. Maybe mega conference members commanding all this money nil collectives the irs recently ruled against their uh favorability for tax deductions for example uh contributing to them uh in in an incentive to kind of stop the money from flushing around so much money is flushing around dude if you don't have like a huge war chest then you're at a complete disadvantage it's true for players it's true for coaches it's true for recruits it's true for everything and I think the era of the ten plus million dollar buyout is here to stay. We're just we're just not going to be able to get around that anymore. The the eight hundred k, the one mil, you know, plus eat up into your extra earnings, like you explained. I think Matt Rule had a contract like that a couple years ago when he left the uh, uh, Carolina Panthers. But th- that's that's the last one of those that that I think we're going to be able to name for quite a while. This is just, this is just the way of it, you know. Real real agents. Uh, commanding all of these big, big payouts, it's only going to get worse or better, depending on your point of view. I mean, I, I think it's going to get worse for these bigger schools. Um, but at the same time, they can use these buyouts to lure better coaches. So it's kind of like the rich kind of get richer. And and I don't know, for, for like a bigger school that gets like $100 million a year in TV money, I feel like doing like a $20 million buyout isn't, isn't really that big of a deal, you know? Um, so Texas A&M, I don't know, Michigan state. I mean, they were the two biggest names. They were pretty biggest names out of in, in the coaching carousel, two biggest programs, I guess you could say, um, mm-hmm. those positions have been filled. So I want to, I want to ask y'all out of the 11 that I mentioned earlier that have openings, is there any one to y'all that, that stands out to you that you think might be the best remaining job? So for example, uh, Houston getting rid of uh, Dana Holgerson. 
I think Houston's in a, in a prime recruiting spot right there. Gorgeous, brand new on campus stadium, or you know, it's like what seven years old. You know, it's newish, new enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, lovely in the Big Twelve, Power Five. Big Twelve is going to be revamping with some uh, former Pac-12 teams: Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. I think that's going to be a very interesting gig, especially as uh, Texas and Oklahoma uh, leave. There's going to be a pretty giant hole in that conference. And I'm not saying that the Cougars are going to fill that hole, but I definitely think that they're going to be kind of eating at some of the leftovers, at some of the crumbs, if you will. Uh, so I think it's a very exciting place to be. Does anyone else have a, uh, a spot? Duke, Boise, uh, Syracuse, San Diego, maybe Indiana, Brandon? I mean, Syracuse is definitely the worst. There's a real tough place to recruit to. You don't have the funding. Their goal is basically to go six and six. So good luck getting a go-getter coach that's going to commit to shooting for six and six. Um, I think agree with difficult? you. I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you think it's that more difficult than Louisiana Monroe? <laughs> Gosh, man, I don't know. Lost uh, words. I was going to say my favorite out of these is probably Indiana or Syracuse. And I think we argued oh. about this earlier, but I think it's it's for the exact same reasons that Brandon says that Syracuse is the worst job. But okay. just just turn it on its head, you know your your expectation is to go six and six. So if you have any kind of funding or any kind of power, or you're a really good coach and you want to go for more than that, and you think you can, and and you do, that's great. You know, a program like that doesn't have a whole lot of momentum. So build some, and you'll 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 be a legend there. So, and also, I'm sorry, uh, I'm uh, not not quite done. Probably the more compelling reason to the average fan is that these are two schools, Indiana and Syracuse, that were in the tougher division of tough conferences that have recently gotten away with their divisions. So they probably have a lot more manageable schedules now and going forward. So the, the expectation should be maybe a little more than six and six now, and a good coach can get you there. Okay. No, I mean, it's, it's, sorry, sorry to interrupt you there. I kind of, I kind of like that first one especially, and obviously that the pathway is there in the ACC more so than in the uh, new look Big Ten or SEC, for example, just because of you know who you have to play week in and week out. Um, but I, that that first point is very interesting. There might be less pressure at a place like Syracuse, you know, that is a basketball school, and if you do win seven, eight games a year, you you could be safe, like Rick Stockstill was for 20 years at Middle Tennessee. Pat Narduzzi right now at, at Pitt might be a little bit of an example. I know it's a, it's a <laughs> hot take, but I think that's there. Uh, yeah. Okay, interesting. I like it. Well, we did kind of foreshadow Tom Allen on this pod last week, so maybe it's not such a hot take. Yeah, fair. Uh, Brandon, what about you? I, out, of, out of these – and I, I'm going to cut you off earlier, and I do apologize about that. Do you want, do you want to continue, my friend? Oh, no, no, no worries. But I, I totally agree on Houston. I really thought, first of all, that Dana Holgerson would totally take off there. Easy to recruit there, as Tom Herman showed. He had Ed Oliver committed there. That's before you were allowed to pay the players, which Houston has a tremendous alumni support. Yeah. Um, nice little stadium, football state. I, I, I think that is a great job. That's where I would want to be. Yeah, I, I think San Diego comes to mind. 
Oregon State's a toss-up right now. I mean, they have a, a very rapid fan base. They have some funding, but what's going to happen to that funding in the future? Um, that that might be tough. When it comes to worst worst places, I mean, it's got to be Louisiana Monroe, maybe UTEP. UTEP was a freaking powerhouse in the '90s and and uh, thousands, you know, twenty thousands, the aughts or whatever we're calling them. And then I, I think once Conference USA had that really big shakeup in 2013 when FAU was brought in. I think that that was kind of the downfall for the miners. Uh, do y'all have a, a take on who might be the, I guess, worst or most difficult job out of, out of the bunch? I think I would probably agree. It's either New Mexico or ULM. Okay, New is, Mexico and Albuquerque. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, which is, which is to say you're coming into the bottom half of one of the easier conferences, but with not a lot that can be done to make it better immediately. So you're either in it for the long haul or you're looking to be really good really fast. And it's probably not the places you go for that. I would love to see it happen, though. Places I, I like New Mexico. I mean, we love New Mexico State. Let's go New Mexico. I want them to do well, too. Yeah, yeah. I think that will be hard because for the exact reason you just mentioned, because you're now going to be in New Mexico State's shadow behind the, the, the coach, the number one coach in the country, if you ask me, and Jerry Kill. So. It's a great point. Love him. Love him. Brandon, what about you? Do you think there's one um, really tough gig here? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's going to be Syracuse and Indiana. Uh, they and, and more so Syracuse because Indiana has somewhat of a war chest um, to, you know, pay the players, recruit, and have their own facilities. But Syracuse, is it's tough to get players to want to go there. Um, the fan support isn't super tremendous. It's not like the donors are coming out of out of the woodworks to start paying the players there, whereas every other school in the ACC does have that. I, I even you know Georgia Tech, for example, has a good NIL collective. I don't like whoever Syracuse hires. I don't like their chances. Oof, interesting. Okay, I'm surprised that no one mentioned Duke or Boise um, in here. I mean Ian. Being being a, a Duke fan adjacent, do you want to just put your two cents in before we move on to the Duke situation? Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak about about this abduction, which is what happened. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a Florida State fan, and I'm old enough to remember one day a checked out head coach coasting on his laurels by the name of Jimbo Fisher. The world awakes one Thanksgiving-ish morning to discover his Christmas tree unceremoniously thrown out and strewn onto his lawn, no car in his driveway, and a private jet slated to take off that morning. And the very next day, he's A&M's head coach, and we're on the the long, slow road to mediocrity. And I worry that Duke is about to have the same thing happen with the same team poaching his head coach. Mike Elko is a very good coach, and I have no doubt that he'll do very well at a team with the war chest, as we have been alluding, that Texas A&M has and continues to spend so frivolously if you look at his buyout. Uh, as, as Brother Brandon here already alluded to. Uh I weep for Duke because this is a school that is already so good in basketball and the football is just waiting for a reason 
to get good. I'm sure you're, you're all tired of me being on the Duke high horse, and I'm the only one in the country that talks about him, I'm sure. But I'm happy to keep talking about him because this is a team that is begging for momentum, and they will take it, and they will run so far. They just need a culture built. They just need a good coach to stay for a while. And Mike Elko could have absolutely been that guy. He signed an extension earlier this year or at the very end of last year after their bowl win, maybe. I don't quite remember what the details were. But he had, he had kept saying that he was committed to Duke. He, he had kept saying that he wanted the football to be as good as the basketball and that he, he and Shira were, were to be, in, in my opinion, one of the best co- tandem coaches in the country. But they're, they're totally in flux. Duke is a very senior-led team this year. So a lot of guys are going to be graduating, including most of their offensive line. Uh, Riley may declare he may stay. He may transfer. I'm not sure. Uh, depends on who they can find. I'm not sure they'll be willing to spend as, as much as they wanted to pay Elko to stay on the next head coach. But I think Duke has shown that they can be competitive and they should try to stay competitive. And I trust them to do that. So I'm, I'm optimistic here, Jack. I'm not as upset as I was when they stole my first head coach, but they stole my second one. And I guess the saying goes, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So I'm going to try not to be had here. Let's look up. Or, or if you can't beat them, you just join them, brother. Gig them. Gig them, baby. Mm. I mean, I'm happy to go to games and, you know, root for the other guy. Join the Colt. Join the Colt. Yeah, okay. that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> it's their uh, uh, midnight yell thing. Oh, is it what it's called? I think so. Oh, my God. It's just crazy. All right, let's move on. Uh, by the way, I just saw here, uh, just re- just announced UCLA is holding on to Chip Kelly. We said it last week at that win against USC. Uh allowed Chip Kelly to remain on, uh, but they got they got blown out against Cal. And that was that was the last game of the Pac-12, mind you. That that the last regular season game was was Cal, one of the teams that got left over, blowing out UCLA, the one of the teams that started all of this n- nonsense. So that was kind of nice to see. Uh, but I, I, I agree with that. I think Chip Kelly should stay on. By the way, uh Dana Holgerson UTEP. I haven't seen anything yet, but I think that could be interesting because I don't know what direction UTEP is going to go in, and it, it might as well keep an in-state tie. I think that's a, mm-hmm. I think that's something to keep your eye on, everybody. All right, yeah, yeah interesting one. So, uh, unless anyone wants to add on to to the coaching carousel, um, we should move on to the conference championship weekend. So, real quick, any, anyone else wants to uh, throw something in the ring? Well, if uh, nobody else has anything to say, I just want to shout out the Band of Blue. That's right. The Middle Tennessee State University marching band called the Band of Blue. Uh, Because we haven't gotten tired of marching bands on this pod, have we? They are 320 members strong. They're 67 or 66 years old. They were founded in 1957. And they uh, are a lot bigger than I thought they were. And their fight song sounds great. And I can't wait to see them in person again. Yeah, yeah, that is a pretty good fight song. Um, look, sounds like they have more band members than they have fans. <laughs> Rich coming from an FAU fan, but it's true. I mean, that stadium is empty. Brutal. All right, so let's move on to conference championship week. Uh, now, fans, we are going to go in chronological order 
of each college football championship game. And first up, Friday, December 1st, CBS Sports Network. That is right. It is the Conference USA Championship. 7 o'clock, New Mexico State will be traveling to Lynchburg, Virginia to take on now the 25th in a nation, Liberty Flames. Good for the Flames on getting ranked. Uh, this line opened at 13 and a half, favoring the Flames. It's now down to 10. And give me the Aggie straight up, man. I, God, y'all know how much I love Diego Pavia pissing all over the uh, New Mexico Lobo logo in the offseason. He's going to be pissing all over the Liberty Flames. It's, this is going to be such, such a good game. Pavia leads, leads his team in passing, leads his team in rushing. He reminds me of Johnny Menzel. I mean, he's, he's electric. He's exciting. You just love to see it. Liberty runs a, um, a spread uh, option style offense, an offense that I absolutely run, uh, love, beg your pardon, because they run the ball so much from that spread. Uh, you know, with, with Chadwell, uh, head coach Chadwell, when he was at Coastal Carolina, he ran that same thing there. So um, I'm going Aggies here. What about y'all? Brandon, where, do you, are you leaning Flames or Aggies? It's at Liberty, so that has to be worth something, right? Oh, man, that's worth nothing. I'm going Pissin' and I'm going Pavia. Both oh, yeah. of these teams are on huge win streaks. New Mexico State's three losses came against two of them really weird teams. It was Hawaii and UMass. And then the other one was against Liberty. So this should be quite the rematch. Um, New Mexico State also is coming off of a huge win over the Jacksonville State Gamecocks, um, yep. Rich Rod. And the week before that, they beat Auburn by 21 points. We almost beat Bama. So New Mexico State is better than Bama. And they were for better than Liberty. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you did mention that game against Liberty. That was back in September. It was also at Liberty. Uh, the Flames won 33-17. to 17. I don't think we see a repeat here. New Mexico State, they've won eight straight, one of the hottest teams in the country. Of course, the Flames, they are undefeated. <laughs> okay, okay, we're going to talk about win streaks. I mean, you're right. They, they, they have won the longest. But come on, man. Ian, are you with us? Are you, are you on the Aggie, Jerry Kill, Piss and Pavia train? Dude, I'm totally with you on this train. Fuck yeah. My major storyline from last week was to look at look for the teams that were peaking at the right time mm -hmm. this late in the season. I don't know how you can pick a better team than New Mexico State, and we did not have them in, in, in the four that we selected. But my goodness, I mean, early season New Mexico State is a very different team than late season New Mexico State. They lost to UMass. They lost to Liberty early in the season. They tighten up. They're on a big win streak now. They're playing so well. They whooped Auburn in their house. I mean, Liberty Liberty looks a little weak to me. They've been kind of coming Ooh. in form too, but I don't think they play a powerful enough ball. If you yeah, yeah, their their non-con schedule isn't as good as New Mexico State's. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think New Mexico State's just playing better ball right now, and it's not to say that Liberty isn't playing good ball. These are two great, entertaining teams. I just can't wait for it. Cannot wait. Are y'all so? Are we all picking Aggies on the money line? I think, I think it's my uh, three sixty right now is what I see here. That's nice. That's money. All right. Yeah, that sounds good to me. That's my that's my wager. By the way, sprinkle. A little, I mean, take the ten. If you haven't taken the 13 already, 
take the 10 and then do a little money line sprinkle on the Aggies. All right. So and now we're after that kicks off in Virginia. We, we got a big one on ABC uh, Pac-12 championship game, Oregon and Seattle at the Death Star in Las Vegas. Hey, by the way, I think Las Vegas Allegiant Stadium is hosting. Yes, they're hosting two conference championship games. This is great. Weird one, though, because this is an 8 p.m. kickoff, so it's 5 p.m. over there. Uh, that's that's weird for me, but uh, Oregon and Washington. I mean, it, the, these two teams played earlier in the year to one of the best games in Seattle. The Huskies won 36-33, but Oregon has been hot, hot, hot. I mean, that win at Utah last month, 35-6, to was especially telling. They blew out Cal Berkeley. 63 to 19, a team that UCLA struggled with, uh, blew out Oregon State. I mean, this Oregon is getting hot at the right time. Give me the Ducks, Brandon. Uh, do you do you agree with me here? Oh, I don't know. I think I got Huskies. I think I got Huskies again. Um, but who cares? <laughs> who cares who's going to win this game? Because this is the biggest and best swan song we've seen in the history of the world. It's two top 10 teams going at it. The only loss on the board is from one team to the other, or Oregon lost to Washington. The conference will be no more, but this has been the best year in the Pac-12, and it ain't even close. This is absolutely amazing. You got to watch this game. It will be great. Something that was interesting was that Oregon, despite their loss to Washington earlier in the year, opened as 8.5 favorites. That's now 9.5. Uh, Ian, are you taking Are you taking that? Are you taking the Ducks here? I want to qualify my answer by okay. saying that I think it is very interesting that this is the third year in a row that Oregon will get to the Pac-12 championship game and have a rematch against the one team it lost to. Oh, okay. Interesting. It's been Utah the last two years, and it's Washington this year. Hmm. I, yeah, uh, but I say that to say Oregon has played a very good football. They're definitely playing like they're one of the best four teams in the country. Yeah, I don't think they get by Washington, unfortunately. I think, I think Washington has got that swagger to them. They've got that magic. I think they've had it all season. They've taken every team's best. And unlike the juggernaut approach, they've found a way to win every single time. And I think that they will snake by Oregon. It, it's interesting. I mean, both you and I were very high on UW earlier in the year, uh, but they have not had a win by 11 or more points since they beat Cal in their very first big, uh, sorry, Pac-12 game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, Apple Cup, one by three at Oregon State in Corvallis, one by two, seven against Utah, uh, geez Louise, 10 at USC, nine against Stanford, eight against Arizona State, the three against Oregon. So it's just like I, I, they've been able to pull it, pull it out. All right. And that is obviously a, a sign of, of a great team. But I think I think Oregon's been hotter, and, and if we're going to go with the hotter team in New Mexico State for Conference USA, I think we have to continue that trend, continue that trend here. But great quarterback play. I'm shocked, Brandon. He didn't mention Bo Nix against Michael Penix. Man, what's going on? 
I ain't even have to, man. These two QBs, they are 45 years old. They're slinging the ball. They've been in college since the 1980s. They are two absolute veterans. Bo Nix made a pass last week. I think he was going across his body and getting, throwing it back to the other side of the field. It was like a, it was a Heisman moment, man. I'm so excited to watch these two. Oh, it's going to be great. going to be great. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's head on over to Saturday's slate. We'll uh, get it started here. It's starting the American. How about that? Wait, American's not until later. Oh, crap. I got my schedule here wrong, boys. Oh, no. Who let me in charge of this thing? All right, let's start with the Big 12. My bad. Big 12 is kicking off noon ABC. Oklahoma State Cowboys found a way into the Big 12 championship where they will be playing the Longhorns. This is a lot of orange, by the way. Game is at um, Jerry's World in Arlington, Texas. Longhorns are favored by 14 and a half. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but Texas, they're, they're hot. They're hot. They're, they're hoping for some chaos in front of them to possibly make the college football playoff. I think they do it. I think the Longhorns do it. Um, Ewers is back, and, and, and when he's behind center, I think, I think Texas can do a lot. Screw, screw the Olive Garden. <laughs> And uh, Gordon, Ollie Gordon, the uh, Oklahoma State running back. I mean, his numbers are absolutely sick. They're crazy. He didn't even play for the first three games of the year. He has like 1,500 yards, almost 1,600 yards, 20 touchdowns. But I, I don't know. I just really like the depth right now at UT. So I would love to, I would love to see the Pokes do it. But g- give, me, uh, give me the Longhorns. Brandon, are, are you with me there? Are you going to go UT? Yeah, I think you have to. They're too strong, top to bottom. I mean, between those two wideouts, Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell, um, you got Quinn Yours back there slinging the pigskin, 70% completion, 17 touchdowns to five interceptions. I, I don't see how Oklahoma State takes them down here. Now, don't get me wrong. I hope it's a great game because this is the most entertaining conference, top to bottom, so they deserve to have a uh, – a great game going out um, this year, but uh, I'm going Longhorns. You got yeah. it. I mean, Texas going to the SEC after this just fucking awful. Ian, also, where are you? Was gonna say, that was oh. on the tip of my tongue. It's going to be terrible when Texas wins the Big Twelve, goes twelve and one, and then they go six and six in the SEC next year. See, SEC man, it's just different. <laughs> I cannot wait for that to happen. It probably will. It probably will because text the the expectations in, in Austin will be through the fucking roof with Sarkeesian and, and, and company, and so that's when they're going to go. No, they're going to go five and seven next year. You heard it here first. Uh, Ian, do you think they at least win the Big Twelve championship? I do. I think Texas wins. I agree with you guys. It's unfortunate. I want the Pokes to put up a good fight. I think they will. In a in a really great Big Twelve conference to to watch this season, they they found themselves at the top. We all thought it would be Oklahoma. I thought it would be Kansas State. Some people thought it would might be UCF or BYU or Iowa State. The fighting Rocco Becks, but it's oh, yeah. the old it's the old fighting Mike Gundy's once again. I mean, I and think- good for them. Who saw that coming after they got blown out at home to South Alabama, right? Oh, everybody wrote him off for dead after that. 
How about yeah. after they played three terrible quarterbacks for the first like four weeks, every game, he's like, well, you know, none of them, uh, none of them outplayed the other ones. None of them earned it. And it's like, oh, I don't know if any of them earned any playing time the way they were playing, but here they are ranked and in the conference championship. Good for them. Yeah, that, that is yeah. good. He always has his teams up for big games. Uh, Ian, were you about to say something there? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was, I was, I was just going to agree with you guys that Texas is built for games like this. I think Sark is prepared for this moment and they will put up at least 30 points in this game and that'll be enough. Okay. There it is. All right. Let's head on over to Maction, baby. Let's go. ESPN noon at Ford field. You have Miami of Ohio, one of the biggest surprises in FBS football, the Red Hawks going into the Mac championship game, having won the Mac East Division, they are 10 and 2, 7 and 1 in conference play. But oh boy, here come the Rockets from Toledo, champions of the Mac West, defending Mac champions, 11 and 1, undefeated 8 and 0 in conference play. And and this is something that Ian and Brandon both mentioned last week, they still have a pathway to a New Year's 6 bowl game as the group of five representative because of that because of that despite how well miami has played as of late rockets baby rockets 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 mind you they played like like october 20th or 21st or something and the rockets won 21 to 17. it was close but that game was in oxford ohio home of the red hawks because of that because they had the home field advantage I think the proof is in the pudding. Give me the Rockets all the way. Is that that should be their fight song? Rockets all the way. It's, I don't know. It sounds like a uh, Christmas tune. Ian, I'll hand it off to you here. Are you going Miami or Toledo? I am going to have to disagree with you on this one, Jack. I think we all want a new. Uh, no offense for Tulane. We all we all would would appreciate a new New Year's Six representative from the G5. But I don't think it's going to be Toledo. I think they lose this game. This is the one conference game that Miami of Ohio has lost, uh, to echo what you just said. The only other game they lost was week one against the other Miami. So having failed to proclaim themselves king of Miami and having failed to go perfect in this conference, the, the next best thing they can do is do what Kansas State did last year, is they can get their revenge and they can win a conference title doing it. And I think they're going to play a very inspired football because of that. So give me the Red Hawks. Interesting, interesting. Um, for our, our lover of quarterback matchups, I mean, you got a good one here. And yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, dude. Dick. Yeah. Yeah, Daquan Finn. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but he's a gamer and he's a winner and he does what it takes to win. With that said, I got Toledo because of Daquan Finn. Um, Blaine, not Blaine Gabbert. Oh my. Brett Gabbert, brother of Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. Um, He's a great quarterback too, man. So he's he's definitely going to give him a shot. He's definitely going to give him a shot, but Daquan Finn is my Mac quarterback this year. We don't talk about what missed the Ohio Bobcat anymore? Uh, Curtis Rourke let us down, man. <laughs> I wanted to mention that. I mean, that's we were so high on them 
we thought that they might be a team that could be the group of five representative in a New Year's Six bowl game. And just, oh, Ohio, yet again, another year without a MAC championship. I think that that team might be cursed, honestly. They are cursed. All right, let's let's head on over to um, <laughs> this one is such a clusterfuck. Uh, the Mountain West Conference Championship game. This will also be at the Death Star, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. I mean, what 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 is that? Just just over twelve hours after the uh, the Pac-12 game there, Pac-12 Championship game. And and if you're curious why the Mountain West Championship game is at Allegiant Stadium, that's because that is the home of the UNLV Rebels. And the UNLV Rebels, despite despite their loss at Allegiant Stadium last week to San Jose State, putting the Mountain West Championship within a three-way tie with San Jose, Boise, and UNLV, UNLV conquers. UNLV was not leading for a second of that game against San Jose State, but yet they get the nod over the Spartans, and they will play Boise State, a, a team that has... Struggled at times, seven and five overall record, six and two in conference play like UNLV. This will be an interesting one. Line is currently at Bo- uh, Boise favored by two. These teams have yet, have not yet played. Um, Barry Odom, head coach at UNLV, I think he's up there for coach of the year as well. And because of that, give me the Rebels. Rebels for days, you Rebel scum. Uh, Brandon, are you with me here at the Rebels? Or are you going uh, Boise? I'm going that, Boise. Coach. They don't even have a head coach, mind you. Crazy. No, I know. I know. That's what's so crazy about this. They fire their head coach because they weren't successful enough, and yet they're going to win their conference. That's just absurd. Um, yeah, I'm going with Boise State here, even though I think they actually have the the lower hand when it comes solely to quarterback play. Um, I think they are an all-around team, and they're just going to get the job done. I'd like to talk a little bit about Barry Odom, though. He is one of the hottest candidates. I think he was at Mizzou, didn't go so well, right? And now he's at UNLV as a head coach, has them running on all, firing on all cylinders. I could see him at Houston. I could see him at Houston. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I would love for him to stay in Las Vegas to, to build that program up. But oh, that's- 100%, 100%. But I think Houston's two top candidates are actually going to turn them down. It's uh, Tulane's Willie Fritz and UTSA's Jeff Trailer. I, I, so. I, I could see, I could see Barry Odom jumping at it. Interesting. Yeah, I really hope Trailer stays in San Antonio. Um, Ian, are you with me here? Are you going Rebels? I mean, one of the best stories in college football this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I have to oh, bet yeah. with UNLV on this one. I mean, Boise. For better or for worse, is not a very good team this year. You know, hopefully Ooh. some good comes out of it with a, their, you know, head coaching search. But UNLV, like you said, is is just firing on all cylinders. They are a well-oiled machine under, I think it's year one, under Barry Odom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, that loss at home to San Jose State, worrying. But I think they've they definitely played the more difficult schedule. I mean – Played Wyoming at Air Force, San Jose, now playing Boise. They're playing the four best teams in the Mountain West. Uh, before that, they, they were playing Fran- Fresno State and Colorado. So they've definitely went through the gauntlet. They deserve this. Give, give me their quarterback, uh, Jaden uh, Maeva. 
by the way. Remember Ricky White, the receiver I've been talking about all year. Ballers. Ballers, baby. All right. So take that, Brandon. Rebels for days. Fuck you, Broncos, and your Smurf turn. Disgusting. <laughs> so that's that's the game I'll be watching on Fox 3 p.m. But most of the country, let's be real, you're probably tuned into CBS at 4 o'clock. UGA in Alabama at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Dogs are favored by six. Carson, Beck, and company. Alabama's, I mean, obviously Iron Bowl was a bit crazy, right? But I, I feel like Georgia, I don't know, I've been sleeping on them and sleeping on them and sleeping on them. They didn't look great in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. But I, I gotta go. I gotta go. Dogs until someone can actually beat them. I feel like you're you're a fool for going against them. It's the exact same thing about how we were talking about Alabama years ago. Until they get beat, they're unbeatable. So I I gotta go. Dogs. Um, Brandon, are you going dogs with me? Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one, man. Uh, you know, you don't get dethroned until you lose, and I mean they look amazing every single week. The line opened at four in favor of the dogs. It's now six. So America is going with the dogs. Ian, are you going with the dogs? I am going with Georgia. I think, I think Alabama has, pl- has been playing very inspired football at a pretty high level, higher than perhaps we expected they would this year. But Georgia, even at like 80% of what they were last year, is still going to beat them. I don't think anybody in the SEC beats Georgia this year. Yeah. Uh, Brock Bowers, he's back, and he's he's a fucking machine. I do got to give it up to uh, uh, Milrow, Alabama's quarterback, Jalen Milrow. He has definitely improved from the beginning of the season. Got to give him credit there. And who knows? I mean, Alabama, I, I don't want to say they have momentum on their side because you know, Georgia clearly does. I mean, they've won like 30 straight games, something stupid like that. But, uh, I mean, that win against Auburn in the Iron Bowl on the Plains – at War Damn Eagle was was very, very impressive. I feel like they exercised some demons in that stadium, you know, kick six and all. So here's a question I want to pose. Is the is the loser of this game automatically eliminated from playoff contention? No. 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 So for example, if if Georgia loses, do you think they're gonna be do you think it'll be like Alabama three seed, Georgia four seed type situation? Yes. Yes, they'll I, both get in. I think that's what it would have to be, but it, it depends on another team losing above them, I think. I mean, if, if Alabama were to lose, or do you mean if Georgia were to lose? Because I think if Georgia loses, I think they're in either way. Okay, my, my question is, what do you do with Texas if you say Alabama should be in? Should Texas be in? They beat Alabama. Oh, they beat Alabama. Oh, man. This is just why we need a 12-team playoff, you idiot. Yeah. And then and then if you're going to let in a one-loss team, what happens if Oregon wins? Or what happens if, oh, well, it's, it can't be Louisville and it can't be Iowa. So Oregon. Yeah. Oh, man, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah, because what happens if Oregon beats Washington, as, as we kind of we think will probably happen? Yeah, that's that's brutal. Then they'll they'll leave they'll leave both out because they'll say they're from the Pac-12 and that doesn't even exist. <laughs> no, they would love to give uh, Big Ten a couple a couple slots. We know that much, right? Yeah. 
Can't wait for that. Yeah, kill me. So here's here's going to be uh, another. Um, I think the group five does it right. By the way, putting the championship game on campus, I love that. Uh, the American Conference on ABC four o'clock. SMU, uh, hot team, one of the best offenses in the country, traveling to NOLA to take on the Tulane Green Wave. Great quarterback play here. Uh, but I I don't know. Toledo, it seems like they play with their food a little bit too much. We saw that. I mean, I feel like FAU is like the only – what was it? How much was that line, by the way, between Tulane and FAU? Was it 13 or something? I think, or 10? It was like eight or nine. Eight or nine. Well, I think that was like the, the only like – Two possession spread that Tulane has covered, like in conference play. So, give me SMU. Ian, where, where are you, I want to hand this off to you. Are, where, where do you want? Who do, who do you think wins this one, SMU or Tulane? There's a reason, dear viewer, that Jack wants to hand this off to me because I oh. want I want Tulane to win. I really do. I want them because because I saw them live a couple times this year. Uh, and I saw them at the Cotton Bowl last year. They're a very good team. They have a very big fan base where 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 we are from. And they play a very dominant style of football. And I want them to succeed. But yeah. SMU, unfortunately, runs a very complimentary style of football that is that is decimatory to defenses like theirs that are kind of leaned upon because the team is very slow to get going. And they're very slow to get going. So I think SMU is going to carve them up, like you said. Yeah, that, that offense is too good, and I think they displayed that. I mean, they were blowing out Navy, I think it was like 42-6 to six at half, at halftime. They, they called off the dogs to get ready for the championship game. These are two great quarterbacks and two head coaches. Oh, oh. Two, quick, yeah? quick, I don't know about that one. Preston oh. Stone broke his leg in the first half. Against Navy. Oh no! Yeah, so they were up forty-two to six, like you just said, and he was still in the game for whatever reason, and he broke his leg. So I would like to announce my first in-show flip. Um, I originally had SMU, but I wanted Tulane, and now I'm just going to pull the trigger, and I'm going with Tulane. I think Michael Pratt. Watching Michael Pratt in person was like watching an NFL quarterback. The dude goes through his reads. Um, all the way to his third and fourth progression at times. He knows when to run and tuck it. He knows when to throw it away. He is something else. He is great. So I'm going with Tulane now. Oh, my God. You're right. Big news out of Dallas. Uh, Preston Stone just a couple hours ago. Great eye, Brandon. Uh, out for the remainder of the season. Holy shit. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Their backup is fine. What was his name? I'm pulling it up now. I think it's Kevin Jennings. He he's fine, but they didn't even throw the ball in the second half, so we don't really know. Oh my god. You know what? Give me give me a wave. I wonder if this line has moved. Um SMU also extended Rhett Lastly's um contract as well. Tulane head coach mm-hmm. Will Fritz. Uh he's been a hot name for uh, some big jobs recently. Let me give me line is Tulane five and a half. Has this moved? I don't know. America, give us a second. Give us a second. I mean, this is this is news here into the uh, 
FBS 134 studio. Did you say that the uh, uh, backup quarterback's name is Kevin Jennings? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he sounds yeah, like somebody you would describe as fine. <laughs> what the so, fuck? So uh, the over-under, oh. while Jack is looking at the line, the over-under is 48.5. SMU has pretty much scored that every game. Every, yeah, they, they, pretty, they pretty much hit that over-under themselves. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Tulane was favored by three and a half. It's now moved to five. Yeah, give me Tulane. I'm not sure if they'll cover the five. I think if they win at home, they'll win by two because they always win close. Unless they're playing FAU because they'll blow us out. If, oh, I, if I have to be the only SMU picker in this pod, I'll, I will do that. I will fall yeah. on this sort of Damocles. I will only say I have seen Caleb Williams come in for Spencer Rattler. I have seen Jason Bean come in, come in for Jalen Daniels. I have seen good backups play good ball in a good system. Can we, can we not say that Bean is good? I mean, we saw him at North Texas, for fuck's sake. He's, he's not bad at Kansas. I think what it really is, though, is Kansas is, you know, they just have such a, uh, it's a well-oiled football program machine. That's what it is. <laughs> But anyone can step in. Top program. Next man up, for sure. All right. Wow. There you go. That's the first first in-show switch of a pick. And you know what? He sold me as well, Brandon. So you made history right there, my friend. Give, give us the wave for Dave. All right. Let's head on to the conference uh, that we love to talk about, the Sun Belt Championship. This game will be 4 p.m. on ESPN, hosted by Troy App State. How in the fuck? Did Joey Aguilar and company turn this around after starting off the Sun Belt Conference play so poorly? They have won the East, the best, most entertaining division in all of FBS football. They're going to be heading again to Troy to take on the Trojans. Give me app. They are so hot. What they did to, to James Madison on the road, one of the most rambunctious crowds of the entire year with JMU hosting college game day. They weathered the storm. App always plays well in big games. I'm pretty sure the conference championship game is a big game. Give me, give me App here. Uh, they're, they're dogs by six and a half. Give me App money line. So, um, Ian, I, I, I want to talk to you about this one here. Oh, uh, yeah. You, you definitely have. You're a little bit App adjacent like I am. Um, What's your take on this one? Are you going with the with the Nears, baby? Give us give us the Nears. I I am rolling with Yosef and the Mountaineers, Jack. Yosef fucks, man. I love him. You're you're absolutely right. I I come up to Boone maybe four or five times a year. I visit the campus. I watch it grow. I've taken some music classes near there, <laughs> and it's 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 been a wonder to watch a school. That's a little bit more than FAU, but a little bit less than, than FSU, and a little bit less than Duke, but still punching above its weight. Really, kind of, really come up. And I, I, I think there's more App State football fans than there are Duke football fans. Absolutely, I think there are. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. I had, I had to throw that out there. Oh, you're good. Um, yeah, I was, I was just going to say that I wanted to say this for Boise State. Because they backed themselves into a conference title. And I wanted to say this for Oklahoma State because they backed themselves into a conference title. But I'll say it for App State. I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Here you find yourself in your conference title. Same as it ever was. 
I mean, their last, let's see, they've won five straight. All of them but the James Madison game was by double digits. Impressive. And it's not us dunking on Troy. Uh, I mean, Troy's Troy's games have been good. I mean, and and they've won so many in a row as well. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in a row. Dominated the West. Only have two losses on the entire year. But, I mean, when App is hot, I think you're a fool to go against them. Do you agree, Brandon? Are you with uh, Joey Aguilar, App State quarterback here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love Joey Aguilar. They also, last game, I guess, a not-so-terrible Georgia Southern defense. They Mm -hmm. average seven yards a rush. They're going to do whatever they want to this Troy defense. I know this Troy defense is okay, but App is absolutely, you know, just outclassing every team that they play every single week. Even James Madison, they beat him in overtime. Incredible. Yeah, and they were the better team against JMU from start to finish. JMU needed a miraculous, crazy comeback with like two minutes left to force that in overtime. Uh, I think a matchup here to watch will be uh, Troy running back committee. Uh, I think it's committee. Kimani? 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 Vidal running back there against the App State defense. He's one of the best running backs you have not heard of this year. And uh, I'm, I'm going to have one of the TVs. On this one, just because I want to see how well he can ball. Next up, next up is a conference. We go from a conference that we love to a conference that we hate. And I want to spend as little time as possible on this one. Big 10, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. It's the number three Michigan Wolverines coming off their, I mean, frankly, it was a pretty impressive win in the game against Ohio State. Against Iowa Hawkeyes, ranked 17th in the nation. Iowa is 10-2. and two. Both of those two losses came in conference play. One of those losses should have an asterisk on it, mind you, that, that loss against Minnesota where the refs absolutely screwed them. KJ McCarthy's playing good ball right now, man. He's playing good ball. And, and if, if he's off, you already know that Blake Corum and company can, can just run the ball down, their, down anybody's throat, as we saw against Penn State, as we saw against Ohio State. Give give me the Wolverines. I think this is this is just easy. So so easy. Um, Brandon, where are you here? Are, you, are where are you going in the Big Ten? Oh, sorry, I was just watching some tape of uh, Iowa's sideline. Um, I'm, <laughs> oh I'm, I'm, no! Oh no! There it is. Uh, oh, did he? Did he? How long were we going to last on that one? Come on, we'll keep it going. Uh, let's see. Where am I going here? I didn't. I didn't make a pick, but I hope Iowa wins. Do you really? Yeah, fuck them. I think. I think the interesting thing is if Iowa did beat Minnesota, right, and then Iowa won this game, would Iowa then be in the playoff? I think that's a conversation worth worth having. Much funnier if the Big Ten does not have a representative in this in the in the last year or four. So. <laughs> Uh, Michigan's favored by 22. That spread that opened at 22. They're now favored by 23. Ian, where are you, where are you going here? Are you going uh, Hawkeyes or Wolverines? Oh, you're going to laugh. I'm actually going with Brandon on this one, and I'm going <laughs> with the Hawkeyes. Right. Uh, if they can play their game and limit Michigan to 20 points or less, I think they have a real shot at winning this game. I think that has a maybe 2% chance of happening. But if it was if it was to happen, I would totally pick Iowa to win this game. And plus, Wait, you're I, telling me 
fan, are you telling our viewers that if Iowa wins, then you're picking them to win? Yes, Bran. I am I am tautologizing to the viewers. <laughs> Plus, I would love to see Texas in the playoff. And no Big Ten means yay, Texas. Yeah, I'd rather see Texas. Uh, Georgia, Florida State, Washington, Texas playoff. Wouldn't that That'd be nice? Be, wow. Talk about blue blood. That would be that would be great. Um, I don't know. I, I here's gonna be a hot take. Hot take, hot take, hot take. I think Michigan State's defense is better. The stats back that up. They are second in nation defensively. Iowa, I mean, obviously they're they're up there as well, seventh. But I think Iowa's defense, they have some inflated stats because the big 10 West offenses are so horrifically bad. Who who is the best Big Ten West offense? There are none. Yeah. I mean, you could Purdue, Nebraska, like, dude, it's it's awful. It's awful. And hey, by the way, I do want to give a shout out to Troy's defense. Troy's defense is actually one of the best in the country. I know we said their defense was so so. We'll see how it racks up against App State, but their their defense, their defense is actually ranked twelfth in the nation. That's the real that's the real deal. They got wow. some dogs. Yeah. I think that's number two out in the group of five after Ohio Bobcats. We were talking about them earlier. So I just want to get that out there. Wow, no way, guys. Okay, is this because you want Iowa to win, or do you actually think Iowa's going to win? Yeah, for, definitely. For, for me, it's because I want Iowa to win. Yes. <laughs> okay. I think I think that, you know, 90-plus times out of 100, Michigan's going to steal this game by – it's going to be like 41 to 10 or whatever, you know? Did you say, did you say steal this game? I did. I did slip that one in. That was good. All right, we're going to finish off with uh, the ACC championship game. Um, and, Ian, I'm really curious to, to hear what you have to say about this one. This will be 8 p.m. on ABC. Number 10, Louisville. You let us down. Are they still number 10? I don't think they're number 10 anymore, are they? The, After that loss to Kentucky? The new rankings come out tomorrow. The CFP. So, this, yeah, this is the old ranking. So, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, against number five, Florida State, who at times did struggle without quarterback Heisman hopeful Jordan Travis. Uh, but the game was in the swamp. Rivalry game. They won. One by nine, so two possessions. Got to give them credit there. Um, uh, you know what? Give me the cards. Give me the cards. I believe in Jeff Brom. I believe in, in, in Plummer, Jack Plummer. I, I, I don't know. I think Florida State is there to be had. I, I don't think they're a backup quarterback. And, and um, oh, shit. Ian, you're going to have to help me out there with his, uh, with his name. Tater. He took, dude, he took a lick. He took a lick from the UF defense, and he came in like two plays later. I got to give him props there. He's a baller, but I don't know, man. I think the cards are looking ahead. I think this will be a get-right spot. How do you how do you look ahead of a rivalry game? I don't know, but they did it at home, losing to Kentucky. I think the cards get this done. Ian, being a Florida State fan, I really want to know where you're going in this one. I think that's a bold claim, Jack. I know. You know, I like to live life on the edge, my man. Yeah, you do. It burns, you, it burns you most of the time, but I suppose that comes with, with the territory. It does. It does. <laughs> um, I mean, I just don't see how you pick against the Knowles. Uh, his, the backup quarterback's name that you didn't know is his name is Tate Rodemaker. And behind him, we have a freshman named Brock Glenn. These guys are like the four-star recruit that you play behind the five-star quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. Rodemaker's a junior, and, 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 and Brock is a true freshman. And – 
you know, Tater has sat behind JTrav the whole way. He's come in for some games. He came in for two games last year. One of them was against Louisville. He came in for a, a couple of games the year before that. Uh, he knows the system. He's familiar with the backup guys and the starting squad guys. Nobody else is out of the game. Jared Verse is still in the game. Kalen Deloach is still in the game. Trey Benson is still in the game. Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman are still in the game. Uh, if, if anything, I think Tater adds another dimension to the game. That That's Tate Rodemaker is Tater for everybody who doesn't know. Um, <laughs> he's, he's familiar throwing to some of the other receivers, like Destin Hill, number seven, uh, Kentron Portier, number 88. You haven't seen much of these guys because Jordan Travis is throwing to Keon Coleman every other play. And he's making the catches, which is amazing. But Florida State's got a lot of weapons, and Tater's familiar with them. I think if it, if the offensive line can keep him really protected and, and let him get comfortable, then he'll he'll go toe-to-toe with Jack Plummer. This will definitely be their first or second toughest game of the year. I don't know how it'll stack up against uh, LSU in week one, but it's definitely one or the other. Interesting. I mean, I, I think it's going to be that pretty solid Louisville offense, 26 in the country against Florida State's 20th ranked defense, which will be the matchup to watch. Florida State had a pretty good offense. I, I'm using past tense, had 24 points against, frankly, a not good UF team that hasn't won a game. And well, I, I think they, they lost five straight. We called that a month and a half ago, five or six straight. We said that UF is not going to go bowling. Hello. Told yep. you all they're going to lose mm-hmm. out. So I, Mm. I don't know. Brandon, where, where are you? I might just copy you here like it did in the American. Where are you going? So kind of to echo the sentiments that you, you, you were kind of just alluding to, Jack Plummer, great quarterback. Yeah. He kind of has a bit of a turnover problem, though. And the Florida State pass rush, I think, is going to pressure him into throwing a pick or two, and I think that's the difference in this game. I think FSU wins. I think they rely on their ground game. Um not that I don't think, you know, Tate Rodemaker is ready. Um, I think he's a baller, too, in his own right. And to go into the swamp as your – I think it was his first career start, right? That is absolutely incredible. But, again, I think that FSU pass rush, Jared, led by Jared Verse, um, is just too much to overcome, and they will pressure Jack Plummer to throwing a pick or two. Interesting. I, I do think Florida State will have to run the ball more, give it off to Trey Benson. He almost had a – he almost hit the century mark. Last game against UF, but beyond that, I mean, Florida State, I'm looking at the stats here. They only gained 224 yards against the Gators. UF actually outgained the Seminoles in the Swamp last week. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Florida State's overdue for one. And, and that really stinks because I think it'd be great for college football if they make the playoff. But um, give me the cards. Give me the cards. I, I, might, I might even bet that game, too. I might that bet might make that bet on the uh, money line. And uh, speaking of bets, does anyone want to talk about their wagers? I, I think I mentioned mine um, earlier. So if anyone else with New Mexico State money line play against Liberty, uh, Brandon, I know, right? Where are you going in your wager of the week? It's being handed to us. I don't care what the over under is. Michigan Iowa under fucking pound it. I think it's like <laughs> twenty eight or something or thirty three. <laughs> is what it is really is it that over low? under so the over under is 35 and michigan is favored by 23 so that wow. means they think the game is going to be 29 to 6 do i have that right 29 to 6 
Yeah, 2096. Yeah. Way under. I feel like I can see that. I think I can see a 28-7 type situation, you know, 27 I don't know. 27-8. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, 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 then I look at every single other one, and I'm like, over, 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 over. And you have this one. Nah, man. Under. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, you like, see Iowa. Like, Texas, Texas's pass defense is not that good. I don't think their defense is that good in general, but especially their, their defensive backfield. So, like, I see that, and I'm like, I'm slamming the over. Um, Ian, where are you for your wager of the week? Yeah, I'm uh, going to pick one that we talked about. I didn't initially have a wager coming into this week, but as we went through the games, I realized that Boise State is a two-point favorite against UNLV. Yeah. And I don't think that we think that that should happen. So I, I'm, I'm going UNLV plus two against Boise State because I, I, I think that they win the game. Yeah, I was disappointed in, in the home crowd turnout uh, for the Rebels when they hosted San Jose last week. And, and again, San Jose – Start to finish, they were winning that game. I really would have loved to see San Jose's play in this game, but interesting one, interesting one. I I can see the Rebels literally winning by one point here, so I'm not sure I'd take that bet, but that will be one I will definitely have on the TV. So, all right, there you go. College football championship conference, uh, conference championship week is upon us. Oh. Because we're probably not going to be talking about games next week because there's only one, Army-Navy. Uh, guys, give us your pick for Army-Navy. Go Army-Beat-Navy. Okay. Brandon, where are you? Yeah, go Army-Beat-Navy, but um, I hope they both do great because they're both members of the American. That's right. Army will be joining the American Conference um, next year. This game will be at Gillette Stadium up in Foxborough. I think we haven't seen it that far in a while it's normally like philadelphia or something right i think one year they had it in new york which sucked new jersey i mean beg your pardon so um yeah i, I, feel, I feel like i feel like it's philadelphia every other year yeah right and i think i think it's great it's brilliant it's where it should be but i digress uh that'll be one of the best games like it is every year to watch army navy uh god bless all of those players playing in that one the best rivalry i think screw michigan and ohio state this is this is the best so all in all, that being said, we want to thank you all for uh, – this is not the season finale. We're going to have some more coming on. But, I mean, this is the end of the regular season, that's for sure. So we want to thank you for listening to us. FBS 134, we're going to have to get a new name. Kenneth, we're 134, even though there's 133 teams in FBS football right now. Kennesaw State is making the jump into Conference USA next year. And just off the pressers, Udell, the Delaware Fighting Blue Hens. Uh, where oh god joe flacco went to school that's right they and will the be president wait what really joe biden went to delaware did he, did he really i thought he was just obsessed with delaware i didn't know he actually went there no yeah he went to delaware and then he went to syracuse for law school oh wow all right okay well it's it's jover it's jover conference usa you're you're it's over you got it you're done they're probably done expanding i think that's going to be 12 members now 12 11 as the uh, Blue Hens will be joining Conference USA. What a conference that will be, spanning from Las Cruces, New Mexico, to, uh, is it Newark, Delaware? I think so, yeah. Not, New not Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, that's confusing enough. Why would you name your city Newark, first and foremost? Yikes. So, like yeah, a, so we're, we're yeah. going to have to get a name. I think FBS 135. How's that sound, boys? 135 Campus Drive. <laughs> oh fuck yeah there it is 
you know, we'll, I, we'll, we'll workshop it. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. You're so much more creative than I am. All right, so from uh, from Campus Jive himself, Ian, uh, Brandon, and myself, we want to thank you all for listening. And we cannot wait to talk about all the chaos that's going to happen this weekend on next week's pod. Until then, see ya. Bye.